Okay, but Casey, as soon as you create a progressive tax system for it, you know exactly what's going to happen. The big church, Lifeway or whatever, is going to create a bunch of subsidiary charities that handle a bunch of important work, <laughs> and then it's going to make donations to well, those they, charities, write it all off, and pay no taxes. That's one hundred percent what we already happen. do. That it's just it's, it's not for tax aversion; it's for risk management when they get accused of pedophilia. <laughs> 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 Which is funny and true. <laughs> it turns yeah, out our song. Yeah, it turns out our the way that we constructed to protect the child touchers also works for the federal government. <laughs> <laughs> oh, diversification, it's the Swiss Army knife of avoiding things. <laughs> Everybody, welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. I'm Casey. I'm Jeremiah. And before we get into anything at all, I want to congratulate you, Casey, um, because this week, everyone, Casey sent me music. He sent me a song, <laughs> and I liked it. It was like it, a song it, it, he wrote. No, no, just a song. I get stressed. Oh, oh, okay. He sends music a lot, and I, I feel bad because uh, I don't always love it. And I used getting... to send music a lot. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I start typing the message, and then I'm like, eh. I <laughs> and I start. I feel guilty every time. I'm like, ah, oh, if I listen to this, I'm gonna have to tell him how I really feel about it. But <laughs> I, I clicked on it. I listened to it and I actually, well, I don't even remember the name of the, what was the name of the band? Oh, well, one of them was 1056. It was a song featuring 1056. Landmarks. Landmarks. I listened to that whole album. Yep. Like churches. Yes. Why why are people doing that? Is it because the other names are taken? So they just flip the V, like flip the U into a V? I think there's a good possibility that that is a definite motivating factor. (laughs) Just a trademark avoidance. It's just got a little edge to it. Can't explain yeah. why. It worked for churches, so I'm going to do it too. Uh, let's do. Can we be? Uh, what is it? Uh, GVC? Should we start doing that? Yeah, we could give it a shot. I mean, yeah, you're likely to misspell it whenever you type it out, anyways. Crowing vup, Christian. <laughs> vup is a weird word. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. Sounds like that's slang for something. Yeah, it, like a flabby body part. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I was, I was, you got me, Casey. Oh, well, then I did listen to. You were specifically talking about ten fifty six. I did go listen to some of their stuff, and they have a lot of singles. They don't have. I didn't. There's not like any real like full albums out yet. It's, their singles were hit or miss, but they were. I, yeah, yeah, I feel like singles are kind of the like that's the name of the game now. It's, it's weird. Like, like, put out a single, promote the crap out of it. And then like a month from now, you can put out another one, you know, and you keep your name in the headlines. Yeah, it seems like it's normal to put out like five or six songs before the album comes out. I think the Devil Wears Prada's newest album is coming out tonight. And I think they've released five singles to this point. And it has been over like the last four months. That's what um, Dance Gavin Dance did too with their new album. Uh, It was like five singles over five. And I keep, I don't, I personally don't like that because I'll check out the single. But a lot of times I hear a single and I'm like, that was like, that was good, but sometimes not hearing songs in the context of an album, it just, 
like you'll find the songs in an album that pop off where you're like oh that's a fucking banger but like sometimes i'll hear singles and think that was fine and i don't think too much of it but then when i sit and listen to the album and like soak in that experience i'm like holy shit everything on this that i didn't i i kind of wrote off before is actually really good and i think even dance gavin dance's new album is an example of that i well you guys actually have different feelings on that album than i do not that this is an album review episode but i um that was one where i at first i was like nah, i don't know because i kind of like the idea of them being heavier and this album wasn't it wasn't very i don't think it was very heavy uh and then once I get ideas out of my head of what albums should be like, there's so many albums that I've been like, that was okay. And then the second time I listen to it, like a month later, I'm like, Holy shit. That's actually really good. I, I just don't think I like dance. Can't dance. <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I listened to the album two or three times. I think I only like whatever that song is that I keep forgetting the name of. Um, I think I only like, like the one song. Cause I remember when they opened Unreal. for Underrated. I didn't really enjoy them. I don't know why. Like I'll hear snippets of songs that they'd be like, Oh yeah, that's good. I just, I don't think I enjoy them overall. They're that's, talented. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if I know. really listened to it. I it's listened to it when you were here, that. I think. Yeah. We threw it on. We probably listened to like four or five songs on it. Oh, you're listening to them during the problematic era. Huh? Interesting. The problematic <laughs> era. Oh, you don't oh know yeah. That. They got some drama going no, on. No. Yeah, oh yeah. I'm aware. Oh yeah. We probably okay, shouldn't okay. be, I shouldn't be admitting that I really like their new album. Now to be clear, they made it and they were like, Tillian's not going on tour with them. Uh, I did find the original, I didn't know a ton about it, but I did find the original complaints and conversation about that. Those, they originated on Reddit and their mm. fan page on Reddit. And ugh, sometimes you, sometimes you hear those and you go, I, I, it was vague. It was spoken about with a lot of like vagueness. So I didn't really know what was going on. And, um, that it's not, it's bad. I mean, it's not, it's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I I've got a story for that. So this was, I think early 2020. Um, you never have those days where like your Spotify recommended just gives you like an amazing song. And then you check out the artist and you like everything that you listen to by them, but you never heard anything from them. Yes. So this, this, I don't know if you guys will know the band, but this uh, one band pops up on there and uh, I listened to one song. I'm like, Oh wow. That's You're really not going to say the name of the band. Oh no, I will. I will. Okay. I just, I, building to it. He's, he's building the intensity. I, I don't know if it'll be that intense, but they have a song <laughs> that Tillian guests on. Uh, and I listened to their first album and I was like, Holy crap, this is amazing. Or like their most recent one. And then I went back to the album before that. And it was also amazing. And it's just, I went down the rabbit hole of like, how have you never heard of this band? This is incredible. I listened to both albums like twice in that morning. I was like, let me go check out their Instagram, bring up their Instagram. Uh, two weeks ago, it's just like a black square with white text that says I, the mighty will be on hiatus for their, due to the recent allegations against da, 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 da. No, and no. so now my wife refers to him as, is that the rapist band? Oh God. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, it is. I'm like, it, it is unfortunately. Cause like that was my, first introduction to them and it's really good it's so good i still listen to them <laughs> Dude, it, it sucks that like vocalists get to tank bands it is Exa not yep fair. and it's always the vocalist it's, i mean to be is. fair like you're never gonna hear about a bass player getting canceled <laughs> well because they're just like hey guys we got a new bass player and everyone's like what <laughs> they, they just, Why are you the, the bass player never successfully leveraged his position into sex not even <laughs> like in a in a unseemly way 
Like right, he just he gets it. He's like, I'm I'm the bass player. No one's looking for that. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and the, the fans are just like, oh, we thought you guys just like pick someone for just to do the tour. Like he's the oh, you third have a, you have a bass player in your band. Oh, that just my means God. he's the third best guitar player. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. No disrespect to bass players. I love bass players the most. The reason I played bass the couple times that I did was like because they needed a bass player. I'm like, it's like a guitar. How hard could it be? (laughs) I'm going to lower myself. Exactly how I started. (laughs) Like a lead guitarist, I think could tank a band. uh, Like if because that changes the sound of the band afterwards. But nothing like a vocalist getting having. Sexual assault allegations thrown at with them underage like, girls. It's always we like, can't just, listen to the oh same one. God, like, and you can't go back and listen to it. Like, if you if you listen yeah. to a band and like the guitarist had some shit happen and they found a new one and they carried on, no one's. I feel like people care less or make a big deal about you hearing their old music. It's like it is the vocals that make. I don't know. I I'm gonna separate the art from the artist person in most cases. Not R. Kelly. Like, there's got to be a line. <laughs> it's a line, right? Oh, so. Where's your, Bill Cosby is your line? Uh, no, no, I think it's probably before him. I hope. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, a, a band with allegations, you know, allegations, no conviction, no hard evidence. I'm like, ah, the albums still slap. You know, I'm not giving them any money. They're gone. They even have like the end year on the Instagram. It's not even like an indefinite hiatus. Now it's like the band is completely done. You just so. have to download their music through LimeWire and make sure they don't get any money for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well I, well luckily I mean, musicians don't make any money yeah i was saying listening on spotify <laughs> rounds to zero dollars so I, I don't feel bad that's spotify's yeah. form of advocacy that all goes to their publicist <laughs> for having to like handle that situation for the past year and a half oh that'd so, be like, amazing if spotify would like put a banner on the artist page it's like <laughs> due to the recent whatever we're donating the point oh 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 four cents oh, from the God. stream to a domestic violence foundation yes it'd be like all the covid <laughs> lines on podcasts where it's just like the covid warnings if people talk about covid it's like do yeah. that with bands that had allegations filed against them warning please know this, this band had a sexual assault violation filed against them it's like, okay Dude, tim Dillon had this rant on one of his i don't remember, it was one of the episodes of his show but he was talking about how somebody needs to start a PR agency that just does like post mortem rebrands. <laughs> people who have been canceled and like wait until after they die and then start the like reconstructing their public image and stuff. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious and probably a valid business plan. Yeah. yeah, I could see that making some traction if you could play your cards right. How do you guys yeah. think Woody Allen will fare after he's dead? I do. I don't get the Woody Allen fascination and maybe it's because I'm white trash that grew up in the middle of America. But like, <laughs> I, I only know Woody Allen through the accusations. Like Casey's I've never like, seen it's not like his it, movies. It's not like if Dane Cook got canceled or something. Okay. Like how much? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know if I've ever watched any of his movies or like, I know some of his movies, but I haven't watched them. And I don't know if I've seen others that are his, but yeah, I only really know about him because people keep talking about what trash he is. Like, is he still a big deal anymore? Not that that uh, absolves somebody of like past sins, but is anybody trying to make him a thing? Does anyone care about him? I feel like people, people love him. Do. Yeah. Okay. Like the people who love his work, especially like from people who are around in that era when he was kind of like the king of just, I don't know what you even, is it, is it, like art house is that what you would call his movies 
they Maybe. sound real uh i don't know they sound like movies i wouldn't like yeah they sound like <laughs> a24 movies <laughs> yeah i like those uh oh, maybe I, if he's made any horror movies maybe i like them but no i i don't know and and i also think that like there's a part of his allure that is specific to people who have lived in new york because mm. isn't that kind of like all of his movies are sort of framed in that new york are they, I, honestly i don't know what his i don't know what his movies are i know if i would if i was told like i'd be like oh yeah well, let's yeah. let's look. See I, I, I looked them up because because April and I watched that documentary on HBO where they they talked to, um, you know, his ex-wife and his kids, you know, specifically like his daughter that had had come forward about being molested by him. And I remember at that point, like, I don't even know what any of his movies are and looking them up. And I had not even heard of like the vast majority of them. I'm sure oh, yeah. I won't know. The vast. I mean, what what's the count on them, Jeremiah? If you have uh, fifty-seven directors' credits, okay. He did I like have one a year forever. I think I have seen one of them. I've seen Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Nope. Let's see if like a top ten there. Uh, I yeah, I mean, some of the ones he's known for. So, um, the Transformers two, uh, Manhattan, Annie nope. Hall, nope, Hannah and her sisters. Nope. Did he direct one of the GI Joes. <laughs> <laughs> he was a writer on all of those. Um, <laughs> Casey's trying. He to was a consultant. Okay, I'm trying to look for ones that like I might recognize to read to you, but I like I really don't know. I mean, Annie Hall, I've heard that name before. New York Stories, Crimes and Misdemeanors, Bullets Over Broadway. And wow. dude, like he plays like Match a freaking point. I've heard pedophile in some of the movies that he's famous for, like. One of his first like real big ones. I don't know if this is first, but one of the ones that people talk about loving so much is he's like a middle aged man that's dating a like a 16 year old. Is that the one? Is that match point with um, uh, Black Widow? No, this is old. Like this is okay. way back in the early part of his career. But yeah, that that documentary, like I, I read some of the criticisms of it just because I, I knew they were out there. Uh, Dude, cinephiles well, I mean, hate us right now. I don't. I just don't get like why anybody. I mean, at some point, if you're gonna, you know, separate the art from the artist, or you're just gonna be a shill for Woody Allen, like just say that and stop being like, well, you know, here's the problem with the story, and here's why this and that and the other. Like, just say I like his movies and I think he's funny, and and you know, I don't really care if he did horrible, terrible things. <laughs> you can't say that. Like, that's why of, people won't. Speaking of just like being on his side, uh, on Wikipedia, there is not the normal section that's like controversies or personal life stuff that isn't on his role. Like Are on you his kidding page. me? What? You I, know, I'm, the only thing that makes that happen is tons and tons of money. <laughs> There's enough people that hate him for what he did that that would be there. Somebody's been paid to not have that there. I wonder. Yeah. Is that something you, you can right. do? It's I supposed think you can to do anything. Money is the superpower. Yeah. Yes. I mean, what can't like, money do? Does Wikipedia <laughs> actually allow that? Is what I was wondering. For enough money, allegedly. <laughs> yeah. No, they don't allow it, guys. They definitely would. It's funny because they're like every what six months they have that banner at Wiki the top of Wikipedia. They're just begging yeah. for money. Just. 
All you have to do if uh, in order to, they won't tell you this, but if if in order to fund them fully for the year, you just have to like have like a dozen people add a controversial section to Woody Allen's Wikipedia page and it gets that cleared up for you real quick. And Wikipedia is fully funded. And it's magic. Yeah. I, I remember she, I was reading a story the other day about somebody had mentioned on a podcast that Chelsea Handler had gone to dinner at Jeffrey Epstein's house. And okay. I was like, what are you kidding me? So I was, I looked up the, video or article or whatever of her talking about it. And she did, she did go to a dinner party at Epstein's house and she sat next to Woody Allen and his wife. I, I, I can't remember what her name is, but uh, you know, she was his stepdaughter and, and yeah, Chelsea Handler like basically deflected the questions about it by being like, yeah, I sat next to Woody Allen and his uh, wife and I just like asked him how they met. <laughs> yeah, Yikes. Yeah. I think uh, I think Sherman's never heard that one before. You. Yeah. <laughs> well, I wonder what his responses are. You know, he's had all of those questions. He just does. He doesn't well, to be impervious to shame. I mean, it must be nice to be that impervious to shame, right? Oh, well, he's definitely a psychopath. Like, there's plenty of stuff out there of him, like having to deal with those questions, and and he's. He's not sorry, and he's. He just does that story. motion where you do the peace sign and flick your tongue in between it every time he gets them. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty much what he does. Yeah, so I, I don't. I'm just. I'm, I don't need to watch his movies. I think, like, I I feel like with you know, with the separating the art from the artist, I do get that like people like certain things because they represent like a period in their life or they were important to them at a given point, whether it's a movie or music or whatever else. And like, I think for the most part, you know, get what you need out of those things. But there's a difference between like, I grew up with this movie and I like it. So I'm going to just keep watching it when I feel like it or whatever. And like going online and, and publicly defaming his daughter who he supposedly molested. Like, like why, yeah, why, would there be, thing. why would there be Woody Allen stands is what you're saying? Like yeah. what, what is there to defend? This just this really old creep yeah, and creep is probably much. being too nice to him. But yeah, like why, who cares at this point? Yeah, it's not he like married his adopted daughter. It's so gross. Does anyone so still gross. defend Roman Polanski? I know. he. Yeah. Was, really? Yeah, people do. Man. They're like, well, the age of consent in France is blah, blah, blah. If, if you have to start your defense with, well, the age of consent yeah. is actually like, uh, <laughs> I mean, you might be technically in the clear, but you're not winning the moral yeah. argument. <laughs> what are you running for Senate in Alabama? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. So speaking oh, of God. money solving a lot of problems. Wait, no, I think Sam has Sam has a, a story to tell us, remember? Oh, yeah. You got like a Parks and Rec story that you need to tell. Yes. Thank you for <laughs> interceding on my behalf. Um, yeah, so this this past week, I went to a, a town meeting. I've mentioned living in, I live in a fairly small town. And my school district uh, is, it's, it's two towns. Uh, it's not a big school. Over the years, it's had a hard time when it comes to losing students to school choice, I don't, is that a Massachusetts thing or a new England thing? Do you guys No, I've uh, heard of that school yeah. choices everywhere thing. Okay. Um, so it's, 
it's uh the number of students in the school has like fluctuated a good bit, but it's it's struggled. Um, and they've had difficulties with certain sports teams having enough players because kids who want to be on teams that are doing better will go to will school choice to other schools in the area stuff like that. Been there, so, done that, brother. Yeah. <laughs> so we had like um. So I went to this town meeting, and the only the only item on the agenda was to vote on a new school. Uh, it's like we, uh, my school, well, the public school in my district is like, it's got, it's basically set up into three wings. And the only thing they'd keep is wing a, which is like just the main building that has admin offices and, uh, and uh, an auditorium and cafeteria and stuff like that. So everything else is in phases. They're going to rebuild. Uh, and the town meeting is to vote on whether or not they want to go with the recommendation of the the committee that was charged with sorting all of that out you know talking to the architect having the the consultants come in and i'm gonna forget i forget the acronym for the organization that we're that that basically it's a massachusetts organization that refunds a good portion of of what it costs to build the new building. So the, the total, the total cost for the school is like 111 million. Jeez. Uh, and it's going to the, the two towns will be responsible for $64 million of that over a 30 year, over a 30 year loan. And the, the, they, the presentation uh, just to, I guess, try to make this as quick as possible is basically saying this building was built like, 50 plus years ago like it's old as fuck it's falling apart it's riddled with asbestos the asbestos ceiling tiles are like constantly falling to the ground like it it's in rough shape and apparently there's this whole like so they they go look our options are build the new school for 64 million dollars because we're getting like 48 million of that covered by this organization this this group here or we can piecemeal this over however long we're allowed to for $66 million. Do you see where the math is going? It's not piecemeal. Uh-huh. We're talking repairs. We're talking asbestos abatement. We're talking making it accessible to people who are in a wheelchair. We're talking like very basic things uh, in order to make and, and the things that they have to do to like the requirements that they have to meet for the building are if they don't, the school loses accreditation. So they're, they're, we're on, they're on probation for accreditation probation. And if they do not make, they have to, there's 22 things that they have to do to this building in order to get it up to par, to be taken off probation. You're doing a really good job of setting this up to be, there's only one logical option that an <laughs> yes. insane person could be interested it's in. A, I'm really a, excited yeah. to hear yeah, how only it's not a logical out. person that was opposed to that logical option. <laughs> so, it, 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 yeah. So yeah, like you said, it's obviously very clear which direction this should go in. We're about to lose accreditation. If you do the whole, like, let's just do repairs. Uh, apparently there are these laws that basically say, once you start getting to the point where you have to repair 30% of the building's value, well, then you trigger other things. Like you don't get grandfathered in under old it gets code. totaled or something. <laughs> Essentially. It's like you don't get grandfathered in under old code. So now you're repairing 30% of 
you're spending the repairs are going to cost 30 percent of this property's value well now you need a new sprinkler system to get it up to code oh and now i see, you I see. A new, so that, a so you're no longer just repairing an old thing now you're kind of making a right. new thing so okay. doing this 66 million dollar version of it you could run into problems that are going to very speedily up that cost that you're unaware of until you actually get in and do it so we have this whole meeting it goes by pretty quick I'm like, oh, dude, slam fucking dunk. We're going to vote. We're going to be out of here in two seconds. And they go, does anybody have questions about the presentation? And like 15 the guy with the pocket constitution raises his hand. (laughs) (laughs) At least like 15 hands shoot up. Uh, And is that your first hint? You're like, "Uh oh, yes. I'm like, Jesus (laughs) Christ. And it's like, I mean, the initial questions are all about like, just not that the the company or the organization that's funding that's like that's helping us the towns pay for the school it's like they cover 70 percent up to a certain amount so uh, i for whatever reason it makes sense to to break out the cost that way so the the first questions are all about i thought you said they were covering 70 percent of the cost of this building then how come we have to pay $66 million, $64 million, and they're only paying 48? That's not 70%. It's like, yeah, that's because it's, yeah, we know that's not 70%. That's not what they said. So it's just these, you know, generally smart people like architects and city planners and shit like that trying to explain to these people how numbers work. And then it's like, the guy who like facilitates the whole thing, he's like, we please let's make sure all the questions are related to this presentation. We are voting on whether or not we want to move forward with what the, the recommendation is here. Someone raises their hand. You said we're about to lose accreditation. Well, what have we done academically to keep accreditation? They're like, well, the, the principles there is like, well, we've we've done a lot, and that's not really an issue here. And he ends up being forced into answering a question about accreditation before the guy steps back in and goes, let's keep the questions strictly related to the, the actual building presentation. Like, I know the building's full of asbestos and is falling yeah. down, but have we tried uh, juicing those test scores so that we don't have to fix anything? For yeah. <laughs> like, so then, what's, what's that argument? What if we so then, flex sealed the whole roof? So then they talk about like the people who school choice. The reason they're school choicing is because they want to go to better schools and schools that have more resources, a better academic environment. Like, do you want to go to this new school 15 minutes away? Or do you want to go to this old shitty school that's falling into disrepair where you don't even have enough room or access to do your labs uh, for science? Like, so then they talk about, they end up just getting in this conversation about uh, someone's like, Someone raised their hand, and it's not really a question. She's just like, I know for a fact people aren't aren't school choicing out just because of the building. What I mean, there's other reasons kids want a school choice out. What are those? Why are why aren't you talking about them? Like they want to make it a conspiracy theory. And the principal's just like, look, yeah, of course. Like there's other there's plenty of other reasons that people will. There's de- every family has their own reasons for wanting to send their kid to a different school and you can't and then someone else raised and they're like hi well have we tried have we tried talking to all of these families and seeing what the reasons are and then coming up with a list of reasons it's like i'm an architect <laughs> <laughs> i'm an architect <laughs> so, i wish i was staring at a protractor right now instead of you 
I wish I was sticking that protractor through my eyeballs right now and into my ear socket. <laughs> and then some old guy is just like, you know, we have, uh, all, given everything that's going on, the current, the, the world we live in now with everything oh, being no. so crazy, Ooh, what about school safety? Starts, what about yeah, school safety? starts going that direction, you're like, oh, this is about to get dicey. Like, and are we losing our accreditation because of critical race theory? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe so not what did he ask? What about school what? School safety. Like, what if a shooter walks into the school? It's like, what if? Bad. You know what happens when a shooter walks into the school? The same fucking thing we've seen everywhere else in the country. A lot of people die. <laughs> bullets generate asbestos dust in this building. <laughs> if a guy's in the school with a gun, we have a problem. But the principal gave a great answer to it. I mean, he was just like, look, I think we have a safe school. But when it comes to like the, the basics of what constitutes safe, a safe school, that has to do with increased exits. Uh, and he, you know, he gave, I, I'm impressed to everyone who was up there, given the answers, gave fantastic responses and kept their collective. Cause I would have been like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you stupid? Yo, you're one of the stupid ones who lives in this town. That's okay. But, Dude, they probably drill for it beforehand. They're like <laughs> back in the back reading cue cards, listening to eye of the tiger. Just like <laughs> to close it out. So I don't last on this for too long. My favorite part was orchestrating how we were going to vote took about 15 minutes. So you walk in and you, they give you a yes and a no, like you hold that you can hold up a green, a green Y and a red N. And then they also give you one, like a white piece of paper that you can check off. Yes or no. So the guy who orchestrates the whole, the moderator for this thing is like trying to figure out how, how, how should we, how should we do this vote? And the tradition in the town and, it's pretty normal for small towns is a vote by voice. Mm -hmm. Yes or no. It, and if it's, if it's split uh, and it's hard to tell, then you can do like you either do the written vote or the, you hold up the, the cards. And it took about, it took 15 minutes to figure out what we were going to do, despite everyone being quite clear that they just wanted to do the cards. And then people, well, why don't we do the cards? And then if it's too hard to count, we can do the we can do the one where you write it down and submit it. And they're like, well, you can't actually do that. That is against the bylaws. But we can do the voice one, and then we can do either a written one or the yes or no vote. And it just went on in circles. And then when we finally settled on the voice vote, some guy yells from the back, well, what about the unregistered voters here? Perfect. We can't let their voices count. And... <laughs> This it sounds like the worst. This is the worst way to spend a Wednesday. Yeah, and it's very clear. Like very quickly, we know who the the uh, twenty whatever the twenty two thousand mules guy is, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's you know he fully buys into the election fraud, stop the steal nonsense. If he's concerned about two people from out of town sneaking in to pass a vote that passed with flying. Fucking colors. The unregistered uh, voters. Biden sending them in to get a school vote. <laughs> yep. It was just the epitome of small town politics. It just like it felt like an episode of Parks and Rec where they do those town hall meetings where people ask stupid questions and you don't know how to respond to it. But There's after the whole, got to be so many situations in those in those meetings now where like if you look around in the crowd, you can see some dude like like handing his phone to his wife like. Hit, just hit record hit record yeah <laughs> like so much of that like i'm gonna be a tiktok star 
Oh yeah. I'm gonna own the groomers. Did anyone bring up grooming? Because that's no, the latest. no grooming. Okay. Ah. But it was funny. So we finally ended up because of that guy's freak out. We're like, we can do who cares? Like, there's not enough people here who are unregistered. And the guy's screaming in the back, you can't do that. It's a vote. The votes matter. It's like, shut the fuck up, dude. <laughs> so then they do the whole oh, try to do the yes and no ones where you hold up the cards, not the written one. And every, they go all in favor, a sea of green, which was great, but also frustrating because everyone who held up the green, yes were the people who kept that meeting going for an extra 45 minutes with their stupid questions. Of course. You knew where you were going to vote. You just wanted your voice to be heard and a question to be asked that didn't matter that was clearly explained in a well-thought-out and articulated presentation. And then, when it comes to the no's, I think some people didn't put their hands up because they didn't want to be outed as a like few people who voted against the children here. But they were... I, I, I saw two. I saw two go up. And from my vantage point and brave souls it's like, we did this Just standing in the storm for an yeah i know and there was like <laughs> up with like that grimace on their face like i'm standing for freedom you don't even have kids here that's have a problem. lot of feelings <laughs> people it, so the, the biggest issue is like your your ta- if your taxes will go up for the next 30 years 216 dollars a year per one hundred thousand dollars of value on your home for how many years for 30 years okay so forever they're never gonna yeah, get that money back <laughs> well there's this one old guy who asked that question is like a very elderly man they gave him the answer he goes oh that's fine i'm not gonna live that long anyway <laughs> <laughs> it's a boss I, move i don't know man. the whole thing was wild and i think what's like one of the other things that stuck out to me was like other than the cost i mean the cost is what people would have had a problem with but what was infuriating is uh, this is the third time they've tried to build a new school. And 10 years ago, they shut it down. And it would have cost less than half the uh, amount. A fraction. Less, <laughs> le- and they showed this graph. They're like, this is what it looks like. And it's almost, it's like a slightly ascending line in the past seven years for the cost of building just jumps completely to double. And they're like, look, if you don't do this, you're going to spend more money putting band-aids on stuff and still potentially losing accreditation. And then you're eventually going to have to do this anyway. After spending $66 million, you will still need a new building. And at that point, it's going to increase exponentially. It's not a steady rate that the cost of this goes up. It's going up beyond inflation. It's going to go up. If you did it 10 years ago, it would have been less than half the cost and you, we wouldn't be having to... Look at a sixty-six million dollar band-aid, uh, or a brand new. So it's just like the, all of the numbers stack, and people still can't fucking get it. And that's when you realize democracy is stupid. It's so dumb. Yeah, yeah. Democracy. Like, if if the it idea. wasn't for all the pricks who become dictators, like that's obviously <laughs> a better way to govern. It's a more efficient way. Like and I don't love the idea of being like, well, let's take these smart people and put them in a room to make the decisions because they're just going to get rich off them when they don't affect the public. Like basically, there's no good way to govern. Everything's shit, and we all have to fucking deal with it. That's what I learned <laughs> this week. Were people too stupid to be governed at this point? <laughs> That's what it comes down to. We're too dumb to be governed. <laughs> oh my god! So uh, <laughs> That's it. We 
we've been talking about this topic for a while and it's something that uh it's a hot button issue that that is always kind of in circulation um yeah and that is back and forth with scandals uh particularly a new scandal comes in or someone makes uh inconscious unconscionable out of money off of something and a pastor gets robbed on at the pulpit yeah out of yeah. like six million dollars worth of jewelry yep and but the, the issue is, we're talking about is whether or not to tax churches yes that and that's it's always here's what happened that's really dumb to this rich pastor or from or through or because of this rich pastor hashtag trash the tax the churches and those usually go off uh and get a lot of comments and there's a lot of numbers that get thrown around that's like if we tax the churches that'd be enough to provide some such and such a service for everyone forever uh i don't know just you see numbers and ideas get thrown around a lot um and every time i see that i've never really looked at the numbers but we decided to just take a look at it and kind of dive into what our thoughts on that are because well i'm not going to sit here and pretend like uh a lot of churches are out there truly doing good work that shouldn't that that i love the idea that they don't have to i don't know contribute basically if a church if you know its name it's not doing good work (laughs) that's more or less what it comes down to if they have a publicity service uh then and social media you know, consultants, they're probably not doing great work. Right. All, all, you th- all the good works are coming from like First Methodist of, of Afton, uh, where, you know, three ladies named Gertrude are like feeding a bunch of uh, needy families every Saturday, like just exactly. holding it down. Yeah. Exactly. They have, a, they have their local food pantry that feeds a thousand families a month or something like that. Yeah. yeah. This is a sticky issue. And it's one that like, it's it's so split because i mean we all know what the knee jerk twitter reaction is especially from you know the the ex-evangelical ex-evangelical communities people like the more that, hurt you, know. you are by the church the more you want it to pay for stuff i think is how it goes yeah so i mean pretty clear that like most people when posed that question are going to be like yes absolutely but it's a lot more complicated than it seems and I think like if you grew up in the church, you probably heard different arguments on this all the way along. I know like the one that I always heard from people was like, well, people, you know, they've already that's their hard earned money that they're donating and they've already paid taxes on it and stuff and they want it to go to the church. And I used to think like, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense. But then, you know, I had an epiphany and I'm like, well, everybody's writing off all these stock these donations anyway so they're really not paying taxes on that money that's going to the churches so there's a lot of weird arguments that when you start thinking about them don't really make a ton of sense um i think the thing that you have to keep in mind through all of this is like the obscene amount of money that we're talking about when it comes to some of these churches legislation that got passed in this regard will affect churches of all sizes, right? That's the other thing you got to weigh against it. But just to give you an idea, I found an article on Fox Business where they were talking about, you know, churches obviously are a weird segment of uh, nonprofits that don't really have to report their financial 
standing and dealings and where their money goes and how much of it comes in. But uh, there was, um, I don't know what you would call this, like a, a, a group or a, an organization called the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability or the ECFA. And they're basically pushing churches to disclose where their money's at, how much is coming in. And it, it's an attempt by an evangelical group to create some transparency and accountability for some of these churches. And some churches have like elected to do that at different times. Okay. So the one that was kind of striking to me is Life Church. Do you, have you heard of them? It's a super generic sounding life, name. life way, life song, song of life, life of life, life is saved. Life <laughs> yeah. New golden emperor buffet. <laughs> <laughs> super China buffet. Yeah. So life church is not far from me. They're based in Edmond, Oklahoma, which is a, it's just North of Oklahoma city, but they have 40 campuses. I think it said across the U S. Oh, wow. So, they reported their 2018 numbers to this organization. And basically they they brought in $143.4 million in cash and non-cash donations in 2018 and reported $281 million in total assets. That was wow. like the craziest numbers. And then the next one down was Lakewood Church, which is Joel Osteen's church. Yep. Our favorite, uh, you know, animatronic nutcracker our favorite hypocrite <laughs> so his church they reported their 2017 numbers uh they received a total of 78.7 million in contributions they have a 90.6 million dollar annual budget and they had 59 million in net assets at the end of 2017 now what's interesting about osteen's church uh, and maybe you're going to get into this is osteen Osteen doesn't take a salary from the church. Which is big of him. I know. That's real Trumpian. I I think he's a very humble man. He just makes all of his money from the books that he's able to sell tons of because of the platform he has because of his church. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's like when people like brag about the fact that Trump didn't take a salary or some politician. While the the taxpayer paid how many millions of dollars for him to go play golf, they paid the the money to his (laughs) golf courses for him to go play golf. (laughs) Saudi ambassadors are staying at his hotels for like 200 grand a night. (laughs) Yeah. But thankfully he didn't take that 400 grand from the government. Thanks man. (laughs) He's not even drawing a salary. President Bush, he didn't even take a salary. It's like, yeah, well, you know, he's still collecting on like 200 years of blood money that his family made by (laughs) grinding Asian immigrants into railroad ties. (laughs) But, you know, that's cool. That's nice of him. Not to mention how much I want. I'm curious to see how many um, how much tax dollars went has have now at this point gone to all of the the what's the word I'm looking for? All the lawsuits or whatever it is that Trump's been held up in court for. Like he's been sued multiple times. He's constantly in and out of court. It's like the amount of government resources that have gone to dealing with his shitty business tactics is unbelievable. It's like, it's super cool. You didn't take that $400,000. You spent that on litigation in 24 hours. (laughs) Yeah. That, and, and that's, what's hard about this issue too, is that it's, it's inseparable from politics. 
And, you know, we always talk about that, about how, like, you really can't talk about church nowadays without getting into politics because they're so married together. You know, they take every opportunity to, like, align themselves politically with different factions. Right. But I think that part of the reason why this is such a touchy subject and why it comes up so often is because of how gross the church's dealings with, you know, our political system have become. Right. So if, if they're weighing in on it and influencing people to vote one way or the other, it feels like they should lose their tax exempt status. Uh, and technically they should. They should. But that, it, that's a dicey line. It's easy. That's easy to say. But I think it's anytime someone's having like a real Twitter hot take, it's easy to have the feeling of there's an injustice and the injustice should be righted and it should be righted by this way. But to tell if somebody's really thought through it, just start asking them specifics on, okay, how do you implement that? Because yes, should they lose their tax exempt status? Yes, probably. Should they be advocating directly for a political party while being a nonprofit? No. How do you realistically stop them doing it? Like explain the legislation, explain the effect that'll have, like how well do you understand that? And that's when you start realizing that like almost everything else, it's really complicated and it's not as easy as just going like, yeah, these guys are dicks and they shouldn't be allowed to get away with it. Everyone agrees except those guys, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy to actually do something about it. Yeah. Uh, first suggestion, start 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Start 40 right. years ago. Because they're, they're all 501c3s or whatever, and they fall into the same category as any other nonprofit. I think it's okay. Well, one, it's important to get into the idea of what a nonprofit is. And it's literally just, as my understanding is like, you're not beholden to shareholders. Like if you're, if you have shareholders, your goal is to turn a profit to fund your shareholders. Like it's not, no, no one, you have no vested in like there people, people aren't investing in your organization or like on paper, right? You don't have like a, I think it's it, just a different, it's just a different structure for an organization. And like if you have shareholders, you can't be like, we're a nonprofit, even though people are profiting off of us. Like the idea is that the money goes into salaries. The money doesn't go to people who are investing in your company in order to grow it and make money off of it. You are not an investment to be returned on. You are there to exist for the sake of your money staying either one within your organization to a degree, but also it, like you, it's not like you can't have uh, income, right? You can't. You can have that money sitting in the bank. You can save up for your building fund, uh, but that's still going back into the organization in some way. Like it's there aren't. It's just that there aren't. You're, you're not going to be publicly traded. People can't invest in that way. Like it's, but but it is simple to become one. Like anyone can say any people can say that. I think what I think what the the, the problem is. When it comes to saying we're we're not for profit is like uh, what that means on paper versus what that looks like can be different things because people can profit off of not for profits and they do all the time and they raise their salaries and they make great money and like I don't know like so even going back to Osteen right like he's got a beautiful house like there's within churches and houses of worship are one of the few institutions that are the only institution that benefit from this concept of a parsonage. Uh, which allows you to deduct like it's tax deductible income for your living arrangements or something like that. I don't, I forget how the specifics work, but it is specific to houses of worship, but it only works within a moderate amount. Like Joel Osteen cannot say 
that his giant $3 million mansion or whatever is a parsonage and then get tax deductions on that. Um, but I don't know. So then, but that does count as property, right? That the church owns. It's not for profit. So they don't pay, they're not paying property taxes on that either. So it does get convoluted. Uh, but the property tax, like technically they owe property taxes on things that aren't directly related to the mission of their organization. Uh, so if they were, if they had, if that church owned, if it could be, if that church owned a hall and they wanted to use that to put on shows and community events or something like that, that weren't directly related to the church's mission, but they, they could end up in a situation where they have to pay property taxes on that building because it's not related to the work that they're doing. I think I it's, to- it's, I don't know that there's really distinctive lines there. I think it's just like, if you're filing as a 501 C three, like property that you own is naturally exempt from that. I think where the parsonage thing comes into play is that regardless of the fact that you're working for a nonprofit, like the salary and stuff like that, that you draw from that nonprofit is still considered personal income. So the parsonage exemption, I think, comes down to the individual level. Like, you know, I'm renting this facility and because it's directly, you know, because it's owned by the ministry and I'm an, you know, then I can deduct that from my app, my, my, you know, net income at the end of the year where, where all of this gets sticky too on the, on the political side is there's a thing. It was president Johnson before he was president, but, uh, Linda Johnson championed this bill called the, the Johnson amendment, which specifically outlined process, like the, the procedures for, you know, political involvement for nonprofit organizations. And there's a lot of reasons for it. But basically what it states is that if you are structured as a nonprofit organization, like you can't directly endorse a political candidate. You can't do any sort of partisan fundraising or community outreach and stuff like that. Like everything that you have, that you do has to be nonpartisan and not connected to one specific party or, or person. And that's the thing that churches right now and the, the, you know, parts of the evangelical community are trying to overturn. Um, There's this movement called like freedom pulpit Sunday or something like that, that, you know, it's basically like an organized push slash protest where they're encouraging pastors to speak directly from the pulpit, you know, and endorse political candidates and, and specific party. Well, there are parties. Parts. Is it is it that or is it? I might be thinking of a different one, but I thought it was Freedom Pulpit or something, um, where they're actually I thought it was a step in the right direction of they want them to preach the values, but specifically not a candidate because they don't like that the Republican Party just assumes they have the evangelical vote now, and they can do whatever they want and get away with it. Now, isn't I doubt that how be- they've gotten away with it? Doing that's what I always hear. We don't yes. preach. We don't tell you who to vote for, but we're, you think we're not going to talk about our values? Right, exactly. But no, I mean, is it is that the same thing? Because the one I heard about, I thought was actually, oh, that's a step in the right direction. Now, it, will they actually do it that way? Who knows? But I was encouraged reading it. But it sounds like what you're saying, this is the direct opposite. This is a challenge to be like, we're going to talk about them. What are you going to do about it? It's basically like they can't shoot us all. 
That's the yeah. philosophy behind it. And, and like, if they and if they try, then we're definitely going to go down as martyrs, baby. We know how to sell a martyr story. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> They're basically challenging the federal government to do something about their infringement on the Johnson Amendment. Remember, challenge. The- I dare you to challenge my tax exempt status. Right. All the churches who were pretending like they were the underground church in China uh, during COVID, mild COVID restrictions, where they were like, please don't <laughs> gather in groups of 200 to cough in each other's faces. Or if you do it, just wear a mask. And they were like, this is what we've been telling you about for decades, that the persecution was coming. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Getting together well, for a, uh, a no fear community fluid swap on Sundays. Challenge you to weird come way down to say orgy, just- but okay. You know, say no to this infringement. So, all right, what happens if you want to tax the church? Should we talk about that? Like, for the people who think, like, it's it's not that difficult, just tax the churches. Like, if they're going to talk about this anyway, just do it. Do we want to talk through what does it actually look like if you want to start taxing churches? Yeah, take I, it I want, away. I want to say, before we do that, I want to ask you guys if you had any, like, like gut reactions to this. And, yes, because when you At said, the end, we can talk about whether or not they cha- like our minds were changed at all. But I, I, by default, I was like, yeah, they should lose their tax exempt status when we talked about it. And, um, and I think you said something along the lines of like, eh, I used to think that way, but like I read into it and I'm not so sure anymore. And I remember thinking like, that's weird. And it, it took 10 minutes of reading about it. And I was like, oh, wait a second. Yeah, this, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Mike. Well, even before I read anything about it, my gut reaction was no, like, you don't have to like how this nonprofit handles its money and wields its influence, but that I, I get that the Johnson act, but it's like, it, if they're not, they're not endorsing specific political candidates. They're just talking about their morals in a very forceful way. Like I, I see the gray area there and I just, it, I, to me, this falls in this, like that weird category of like free speech where you don't have to like what they say, but you do have to fucking deal with it a little bit and i hate it like i don't love i don't not like what they're saying and it's actually like ruining the lives of people that i know and it's hurting relationships constantly it's it's a it fucking sucks but when you look at why you're allowed to be a nonprofit and why you don't tax that and why we afford nonprofits the luxury of non-taxable income because the idea is taxing income and the idea is that nonprofits don't technically have have they're not generating income and taxable income in the way that you right. do. We're like, I, I have this income and the purpose is for me to do whatever the fuck I want with this money. And I don't know. So I, I my gut reaction was. It's it's something that people are donating to. And the, it feels like saying to me. I don't like that people can say that. Therefore, I don't want free speech anymore. And I think you'd be hurting a lot more than you'd be helping by trying to delineate what you right. can. It's people who are mad at the injustice. They're upset at the injustice. They want the injustice right. to stop. And so they equate that in their mind. Like, I mean, I did to some degree of, uh, well, there's an easy way to do this. Let's just fix the problem by take away their incentive. And it makes a lot of assumptions about how all churches are functioning. Yeah. I think... Yeah. So my, my initial reaction was, no, we don't want to do that. Like there's a lot of churches doing good work in their communities. I don't think we want to touch that. I do think though, that like after reading further about the Johnson amendment, 
I, I do think that we need to hold on to that and they need to start enforcing it. I, I, where you're totally right in that, like enforcing that Johnson amendment on churches for speaking public, you know, from the pulpit about political candidates, like you're, you, how are you ever going to police that? How are you ever going to stop it? But the danger in the Johnson amendment going away, which there's like, active lobbying and stuff. I mean, President Trump like tried his best to over to overrule it with an executive order, I think in like 2017. The danger there is not in that, oh, we're going to allow these pastors to preach about, you know, how you need to vote Republican. The danger is that like churches could easily be it's it's the financial side that's the that's the danger of getting rid of the Johnson amendment because if if that goes away, not only it's yeah, they can talk about political candidates, but they could also make direct contribution to campaigns. Yes, absolutely agree with that. A real problem, especially when you when you consider the fact that like churches don't have to report any of the money that's coming in or going out or what they do with it. I mean, even just like we got one year's worth of numbers from these two mega churches that we looked at a second ago, and it's what three hundred million dollars. It's a third of a trillion or of a billion dollars. It's insane, right? And that basically, like, you want to talk about special interest groups? The one percenters of church. Yeah. And, and like, literally churches could just become, like, churches could easily become just, like, a money laundering scheme for political campaigns. Absolutely. So that that's the first uh, the first compelling argument that I read that I was like, oh, wait a second, this, this would be bad, is that exact thing. The churches that are the worst abusers of this by and large, are going to be the ones with the most money and the most capacity to hire lawyers and awesome accountants to help them to get out of as much of their tax burden as possible. The people who will be hurt the most are the people without those resources, which are the smaller churches, which by and large are not problematic, at least on the national stage, right, when it comes to this stuff. Um, right. I'm sure you know their pastors may talk about politics and stuff from the pulpit, but they're not in they're not engaged in the excessive lifestyle that a lot of churches a lot of larger churches are so they'll get hurt by this too and they don't have the resources to do something about it and the rich churches will just stay rich by using those resources to dig their way out of it legally so it's the same thing with the whole idea Likely. of like taxing the rich it's easy to say and then we have to figure out the mechanics of how exactly are you going to do that it's hard to wrestle that with like well they're good at at retaining money. That's one of the reasons they have a lot of it is they figured out how to ha- have a lot of it. So yeah. it's going to be really hard to collect. Tax increases on the wealthy are sold using Warren Buffett and Jeff Bezos and all of those people as examples, but who they actually end up hitting are, you know, the local business owner in your town that, that has the steakhouse or the guy that owns a couple of Jiffy Lubes or whatever. Like those are the people that make enough money to get targeted by that legislation, but don't have enough money to where they can hide it overseas and things like that. You know, I don't, I don't know that that's completely true. And the way, like, cause when you're talking about taxing the mega rich, like, well, I don't know. So when you're, I actually don't know what the, the amount is on what Biden did the whole 15%, like a, corporate tax like if you're a corporation corporate, you're fine though corporate's a different thing i think it's it's individual taxes right. more what i was so, talking about i'd say i think most of the time when people are trying to sell tax the rich i mean the rich are often they're not only paying less taxes than you they're getting fucking subsidized by the government and that's what's so fucking frustrating about all these conservatives 
acting like they hate welfare and that you shouldn't get a handout. And then you talk to them about corporate greed and they're like, well, they're employing a lot of people and they're doing a lot of good. And you're like, that's fine. If you want to believe that they're, that offering a lot of employment is doing a lot of good, despite the way that these employees are treated. I don't understand when you became the kind of person that thinks offering employment equals getting a handout. Like good work doesn't merit free money. It never has in their life and they've never believed in those statutes. So like, I always find that super frustrating, but it is, I, it just seems like any, any time there's any talk about taxing the rich, it is truly just saying if you make a shitload of money and you're filthy fucking rich, there are no loopholes at the end of the day, no matter what you have to pay X percent in taxes. And yeah, now, now enforce that with policy. That's right. the yeah. other point. <laughs> and get all the people whose campaigns are funded by them to vote for that. Of course, we know. Right. Like what we just saw the 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 figure out uh, the mechanics not vote to eliminate dark money from their primary campaigns. Like they just don't. Out the, nobody wants that. <laughs> figure out the mechanics of it. Like, what does it mean to make money? Well, for like somebody who has an average income, it means you get a W two or some ten ninety nines, and this is the money that you made, and that's it. Like you get a paycheck for doing the work. If you're somebody like Jeff Bezos, who probably takes a tiny salary of $50 or whatever, and you just own a bunch of stock and then you get banks to give you like 0% loans against your stock as collateral. It's like, what does making money even mean anymore? Like he's not making anything like, yeah, he earned every goddamn cent of that Jeremiah. How dare that you? Type of thing of like, you can't, you can't outthink somebody at that level of like, oh yeah, but this is how we define income. They'll just figure out another way to get money to live off of. Like it's not, it's not going to be that hard for them. They have unlimited assets. And we're way off topic here. Yeah. But like part of why that part of this, this thinking about this is what's part of what's brought me around to like, do we need all what the only thing I really care about the government doing in this regard right now is just like doing everything possible to allow people to unionize because that is how you will get money out of these corporations you let you get their employees unionized to where they can collectively bargain and stuff. And it's a literal gun to their head that they can't run from. Yeah. And I I think that's the only way that you squeeze money out. And honestly, like at that point, I would rather see that money go back into the pockets of normal people than funneled through government bureaucracy and stuff like that. You know? Yeah. I mean, put it in people's pockets. That money will make its way into the economy. Money's got to move. As long as money's moving, everybody's benefiting. It's when it's held tight in, you know, corporate bank accounts and stuff like that that nobody benefits from it. Yeah, yeah. So back to churches. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say, Jared, so- before I asked us to give our gut take, what uh, you were about to jump into. Well, no, uh, I I think I kind of already did. It's the if you if you want to tax them. Um, you know, what are the mechanics actually look like for that? And then how, if you are a richer church, you're going to have a much easier time not paying those taxes if you owe them, but it won't just be churches. You can't make a law that says we're just going to tax which churches, Christian churches, Catholic, Mormon, like you're going to have to tax all churches now. In order and for that if to be- they're registered as a nonprofit, then you're dealing with that. I mean, that, as much right. As it, so then, do you have new legislation that separates because, a faith-based nonprofit? So what's the difference right. between a faith-based nonprofit that does something that's obviously not a church Versus a faith-based church that is nonprofit. Like, right. so then you're going to have to walk that back farther 
to a lot of nonprofits that are doing absolutely nothing political. Like they might be a Christian organization technically, but they like um, Wycliffe Bible translators. Like as far as I'm aware, they are not doing anything remotely political and they're going to get hit by this too, because how are you going to draw the distinction between a bunch of people who call themselves missionaries who are doing work around the globe based on donation support for the great commission compared to a bunch of people donating money to a church that's preaching the great commission. Like they're really on paper. There's very, it's very hard to separate those two. And 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 it becomes problematic if you could separate those two to say, look, anyone who, anyone can be a nonprofit. uh, But if you're a religious group of people, we are going to tax you. But then that that effectively means you're, you're punishing financially punishing people who proselytize their faith, which is the government absolutely infringing on their first amendment rights. Yeah. There's no way around it. I agree. I, I mean, I, no argument for me on that. I don't think you can delineate it. I think if you want, I think the alternative, you either have nonprofits or you don't and everyone pays taxes. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that's how that works. Well, there's the flat tax. Go to flattax.org. <laughs> <laughs> oh this is the part where we cut to a commercial of rudy giuliani telling you to buy gold bars from his (laughs) my my patriotsupply.com the problem with the american economy is it's not backed by gold guys i'm america's man you know what i love is a good cigar and a chunk of gold (laughs) then he bites down on like a gold nickel or whatever you know what i miss the good old days when i had a a, pre- a license to practice law <laughs> <laughs> and, and a Just, shred of self-respect. All of my uh, fucking... massage therapist hush money is paid in gold. <laughs> <laughs> He's sitting there like panning for gold. Looks like a fucking prospector. Oh, dude, he could pull off a prospector look. Yeah, for good. sure. He looks I'm like, like a barkeep a western that dies. Like yeah, a guy that parts his hair down the middle and wears the little round glasses and gets like shot those, first. There's metal rings around his arms, like around his sleeves for no reason. <laughs> yeah, we need him shirtless in a pair of overalls that just barely doesn't cover his nipples. <laughs> oh my god, he looks like that American Gothic uh mouth. <laughs> so anyway, churches. Um <laughs> okay, so here's Here's the like some of the counter to that. I think what you could say is like, first off, could you put, you know, could you have a progressive tax bracket for nonprofit organizations if you were to tax them? Sure. You know, because that's the other thing is like, yeah, I mean, we've already said it, but you don't want to punish tiny local churches because, you know, uh, lifechurch.gov or whatever is fun you know making 200 million a year or whatever okay but casey as soon as you create a progressive tax system for it you know exactly what's going to happen the big church lifeway or whatever is going to create a bunch of subsidiary charities that handle a bunch of important work (laughs) and then it's going to make donations to those charities write it all off and pay no taxes that's 100 percent what we already do that it's just it's it's not for tax aversion it's for risk management when they get accused of pedophilia (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is funny and true <laughs> it turns yeah, out our song. yeah it turns out our the way that we constructed to protect the child touchers also works for the federal government 
Diversification, it's the Swiss army knife of avoiding things. <laughs> yeah, okay, so that's, well, that is I true, don't know right? That means, like a progressive tax bracket, but then if you're looking at nonprofits that take in a shit ton of money, like that do, you know, uh, disaster relief, right? They're going to be hit pretty hard by a progressive tax bracket simply because they bring in a lot of money, but... I don't know. Well, so what about what if you like income is not the same though as assets? Like, you know, when they look at those those numbers. They're getting and like that's the thing is like if you're taking in money and then you're reinvesting it into your community, but it's then still, by all means, you don't pay taxes on that. It's just like a business. Like you, you know, you have a write-off if you have a company car or something like that. But that's essentially right, but, what a nonprofit is, right? I mean, if you're saying if you're taking yeah, in but money, the Red Cross had people standing on corners with firemen's boots for two years after 9-11 and then come to find out like they just hoarded that money and collected interest on it. Right. I'm okay. probably so, mixing up several stories. I, well, <laughs> I hadn't heard that one, but it's disgusting. Regardless of whether or not that's true, uh, and we'll say allegedly, just to be safe. But I'm on it. I, I do. <laughs> I think it does make sense because what I was, what had crossed my mind was like, are should you tax uh, up to a certain amount what is just sitting in people's accounts? Like, look, weigh it against their assets and how much you know you might need if your donations diminished. Maybe whatever. Maybe weigh it against like six, eight, nine months worth of assets, and then say if you're just sitting there hoarding that money and that money is making you money, well, now that's taxable income. If you've if you have any sort of, but I think that's how that works. Right, if well, it's, it's the kidding. same thing. It works in like private businesses too. I mean, right. like right now we're coming up on the end of the fiscal year and like this is the time of year where my company sells a lot of equipment because if you're a, a guy who owns a, a car dealership or a repair shop and you're showing a big net positive on your account statement for the end of the year, you know, then like right. you buy equipment, you write that money off and you lower your taxable income for the end of right. the year. And I think you could essentially do some of the same things with nonprofits should you go that route. It's like, I mean, you know, if if Lakewood has $200 million sitting in account not benefiting their parishioners, their community, or anybody else, then like, can we, can we tax that? I mean, and if they were to be taxed on those things, a lot more of that money would make its way out. But then how do you how do you justify that of like, yeah, that's what I was just going to. They aren't allowed to have savings. You know, they aren't allowed to prepare for, for future things. I have the answer. They on the can't prepare the for the end times, Casey. <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Okay. So you want to know what about the Red Cross in, in September 11th? Yes. Yeah. Okay. This is a news article from CNN, November 6, 2001. So this is a, this happened like right after 9-11. Fresh off the. Yeah. yeah. So the Red Cross <laughs> raised more than $564 million for the Liberty Fund which was set up in response to the attacks. So the agency stated on its website is spending more than any other relief agency responding to the attacks. It has distributed only 154 million of the 564 million. This um, is back when gas was 80 cents a gallon. Yeah. So you could buy a, pay, a payday bar for a nickel. Yep. And then apparently people are upset because uh, they've been told enough money has been raised in this Liberty fund that's being closed, but two thirds of that money is going to be given away to other Red Cross needs is, is this where said. bannon got the idea for we build the wall 
<laughs> so president of the Red Cross, Dr. Benin, uh, Bernadine Healy, um, was trying to defend the uh, – defend the the language of their stuff they said don't confuse us for the 9-11 fund in new york don't confuse us for habitat for humanity don't confuse us with the scholarship in new york for the victims um the liberty fund is a war fund she said it's involved into a war fund we must have blood readiness we must have the ability to help our troops if we go into a ground war we must have the ability to help the victims of tomorrow and it just it what goes back mean? and forth but basically she resigned at the end of it. Uh, end of <laughs> That's totally okay. It, it, she resigned at the end of that year, but it sounds like, yeah, they, I don't know about the fireman's boots themselves. I didn't, I, but they she raised a whole bunch of money that as she was climbing onto a private jet, like Kenneth Copeland. Right. They, they gave, they gave like a good chunk of that money. I mean, 164 million is not anything, not nothing, but the, sure. uh, yeah, the other 400 million does seem like it just went towards other red cross priorities that don't have to do with September. 11th. Yeah. Look, I mean, let's, Let's let's be fair. The Red Cross had never raised money before this time, so they didn't have a war chest. She actually says and they were learning. The they were baby she, money raisers. I think she says in the article, we had a war chest due to previous. <laughs> it's kind of funny that you said that, Casey. I think she literally says that. Uh, I, now, I, I'm fluent in the language of grift. Yeah. I, I want well, to find, you're, I, It's because you're a fucking salesman, dude. What's I mean, that's I don't right. know what I expect. <laughs> It was literally happy okay did you guys uh come across because you're talking some of these big churches pulling in 300 million did you guys come across any numbers of what has been assumed to have been taken in by churches on a yearly basis nothing did didn't seem like a total guess because of the difficulty of compiling. i didn't look super hard for that though i I spent most of my research looking at secular arguments for and against tax and secular. Well, I found one that you won't like. Okay. I found a couple <laughs> on the subject of property. Uh, your, your mentor, Bill Marsh said that churches <laughs> in the U S own almost three quarters of a trillion dollars in property that they pay no property taxes on. Yeah, I don't. And then think he followed that. that up with this really poignant statement: "We're being forced to subsidize a myth that we don't buy into." And then everybody he... said, "Shut up, Bill!" Oh, everyone <laughs> clapped and cheered and said, "We love you, Bill Maher." Bill Maher is insufferable. He is awful. He's so fucking awful. <laughs> All right. So just... as far as um, so okay, so I did find some numbers, but like you said, Jeremiah, there is some guesswork involved. But the Okay, so I had the 2019 church contributions were about $128.2 billion. Oh, boy. Now, but that's Real not all taxable. But that isn't all taxable. So, like, businesses' income isn't all taxable. So, this, I found a polit. So, let me tell you where I'm getting this from. Taxfoundation.org and PolitiFact both had the same exact numbers. So, I don't know if they were working off of a similar source or if they crunch these numbers independently, but $128.2 billion. And they said, look, of course there's, in, there's money that's not being accounted for. So they said an aggressive number would be about $150 billion. But to assume the average taxable income of all of that would be in, they just aligned it with what the average is across the country um, for uh, corporations or businesses, it would be a 7.7% profit, um, which would only end up being at like 
four billion dollars in taxes, which is like a drop in the bucket for a what a three it's like a three point like, something trillion dollar taxable like is how much is taken in in taxes every year that's like three, th- three days worth of ukrainian artillery bombardment yeah like i so all this conversation i think it's worth talking about all this conversation about whether or not you should tax the churches how you can do it you do have to end up looking at the cost benefit analysis here, which is like, do you want to put, you're going to put fucking $2.4 billion into figuring out how to hold these cunts accountable. Oops. I think that's the first C word we've said on this show. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can decide what All we right. want to do with that. <laughs> Am I flush? I feel flush. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know you guys, how you want to come back from that. Okay. Well, so you're, do you always have that ready to go? I do. It's my favorite one. You pig. All right. Okay. More than 2.4 billion uh, with trying to get the IRS to figure out how to manage their bullshittery. Right. We have 75,000 new Gestapo agents. 87,000, 87,000. <laughs> and and they're, they're all packing. armed. Yes. All of them. Well, so are the churches, bitch. So you get ready for war. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, yes, there, there is there is that factor. I also think that, like, something that doesn't get a lot of discussion or traction nowadays is, like, what is the cost to our our what's the societal cost to pushing something like this through i feel like nobody talks about that anymore on either side but like you know you might think that abortion is genocide what's the societal cost for you pushing your ideas through on the entire population you know like are you going to tear the country in half i feel like that's something that you would definitely have to ask about taxing churches out of you know uh, when we have a history of not doing so is like, are, I mean, are we going to, are we going to weather this storm for the $2.4 billion worth of taxable, you right. know, income and everything that, that you're talking about? I, I don't know. It, it seems like a giant waste of time. And like you said, the social cost on that. <clears throat> yeah. Cool. 2.4 bill. That's not doing much. Even if it was, even if it was more, like if you want to increase that, or you could increase that to a point where like it merited the conversation. I don't know. Dude, I just, it, it's still hard for me to, it, hard for me to believe that it would ever be worth it. Uh, unless it was like astronaut. Like if, if religion, be, like, some people believe it's one giant grift. I, I don't, I, I, I don't believe religion is one giant grift. I don't believe every church and institution is, I, I disagree with them on, 98% of things, but that doesn't mean they're grifting. It means in most situations out of all of those billions, most of these are, I mean, I've driven through Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina. You just pass church after church, after church, after church. And they're no different than your community center. If you go to a small town community center, you're going to find 40 people who are like-minded that all have the same problems with the liberals or whatever you go to an inner city and you meet in a in a some rec center basement to talk about 
whatever it is that you're passionate about, you're going to have a problem with the people on the right. Like we, it's like-minded people finding each other. And when you think about like why a lot, like why so many of us left the church, even it wasn't it like sometimes leaving the hardest part of leaving is like leaving a community that you've established, but like you end up not being able to reconcile your new beliefs with the overarching beliefs of the community. And it causes too much stress uh, for you. So like, it's like, we were all part of it and we were like, yeah, this is great. This is like a social club. And like, yeah, those are the back, those beliefs are the backdrop for a lot of it, but it wasn't the most prominent of conversations because when you're around like-minded people, I think it's more prominent now. Like I, I do believe that it's some degree talking politics in shitting on the opposition party is like very, very common now. But I, I can honestly say growing up in church that you might've heard people talk about guns. Uh, you might've heard people talk about abortion or trying uh, the gay agenda or something like that. But in church, it was like, Hey, how are you? How's your week? Work sucks. It's the same old bullshit that I still talk about. It's a different ideological backdrop, but my point is that like a lot of these smaller churches, yeah, disagree with the ideology. But if you, if you started taxing churches or tried to find a way to criminalize, not criminalize, but tax ideology, based on how they tried to move people to vote for a certain candidate through propagating certain ideas uh, and focusing on the issues. Those people are still like the influence on those people aren't going because those people aren't, they're not there because they go, I like this person. I want to learn from them. They're there because they go, I believe what this person says. And the second those people stop believing what that person says, if those pastors of those churches go, you know, I've reconsidered my beliefs on whether or not it's a sin to be gay. All those people leave and they find a new place to go and believe the same exact things that they want to believe. People don't want to be confronted with different beliefs. They don't want to be challenged. So like, that's what I think is another part of the conversation that often goes missing is like, you're going to create, if you decided to find a way to do this, you're going to create, a situation that results in a lot of angry and pissed off people who aren't going to change their ideology and are going to find a new way to create a community around that. And maybe that looks more like the proud boys or uh, oath keepers or some shit like that. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, You can, uh, you can drive Andrew Tate off YouTube, but you can't drive Andrew Tate out of your 13 year old. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's not where I thought that. Well, I guess I should have expected it. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I and I, I feel like the the knee jerk reaction to this from you know the evangelical community. It's always it's funny to me when when someone calls like one of the prominent people within the evangelical Twitterverse to the carpet on something that they've said, you know, cause they get really like snarky and crappy about churches. Like we all do, you know? And, but of course somebody will call them to the carpet and, you know, say something about, I, I saw one of them the other day, a girl called her out. She, she was a, a black girl and she was like, my church, you know, wasn't that way. And, 
you know, the black Christian church does a lot of good and this and that and the other. And, and like, you know, that's something you have to consider too, is that like the same laws that you pass when you're considering, you know, your typical, you know, conservative right-wing church here in your, in your hometown applies to, I, I'm struggling to remember her name, but uh, the, the woman who runs deconstructing black or deconstructing color. Yeah. It's, um, oh my God. I can't think of her name, but we did an episode with her last year and she talked a lot about her church, which she eventually left. But, you know, listening to her talk about her church was, it sounded pretty cool. I mean, like, like ideologically didn't line up with where a lot of people want to be and there's reasons to leave. But like the community support and stuff that her church was doing was impressive. I mean, and it was something that like, passing these these laws against conservative white churches also is going to hit you know decent uh you know latino and black churches and things like that i I don't know i just i feel like it's a lot of like lumping all churches in with the 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 most hateable examples that we can all point out whether it's mega churches or you know tiny fundamentalist militia groups yeah. And let's be honest, the pro- like progressive Christianity is expanding a lot. And there are still people who are trying to find faith communities that align with their new values. And you're at the end of the day, you're you're going to get a lot of things. We don't preach candidates. We just talk about values and you're going to get that on the on the left. And they're going to talk about women's rights and bodily autonomy. And those do align with the left. So like you're going to you're going to face this issue on either side and it's not that there it's not that it's like a well the truth is in the middle or there's like this middle ground and you know oh well free spirit like I, I I'm not trying to pull the nuance out of it or say that there isn't right wrong or that you can't look philosophically into how you would come up with a more objective form of morality but at the end of the day you're trying to split hairs over two point four fucking billion dollars, and it's not worth it when yeah, the U.S. can't write tax three point eight trillion. It's stupid. It's stupid, and the, the cost is so much more. And I think there's one thing that I want to talk about that I didn't know that I think is cool. That apparently this is something that exists uniquely, specifically for religious organizations, uh, for clergy, uh, particularly, I believe indulgences no oh you can if you don't want to pay social security or medicare because you are fundamentally opposed to it and you can you can you have to have like a it's often not granted and you have to have a solid religious reason for like filing for a religious exemption for social security and it has to be based on like a very you have to be exceptionally concerned and it be it's kind of like you know like if you're a conscientious objector like they're not just going to take your word for it because you don't want to go to war they're going to talk to your family and your look at your facebook posts and so i've been playing the long con look i've been an object conscientious objector for a long time and (laughs) 
all of that setup is literally just to avoid the draft. So we I have mean, to Sam, no offense, but like when it comes if you get drafted, they're gonna put you you're gonna be sweeping something. It's fine. They'll I'll, they'll suss I will, out. I will I will yeah. <laughs> I won't be because I can't pass the physical requirements. I, well, you got that LASIK, baby. So you're yeah, at least your eyes are good. You could be a sniper. You should be a sniper. Uh, I I will I will go ahead and try to become a um, chaplain. That's my I'll, I'll go for chaplain. You could be a you could be an army psychologist or army counselor or something. That's true. I, please I don't do kill that. yourself. That's all you do is just give them antidepressants and go. Please don't kill <laughs> yourself yet. I know. They're Dude, I feel to- like uh, this system works for for people who are that opposed to it, but I think like putting some consequences on it would make it better. So like okay. if you are ideologically and religiously opposed to paying into social security or any of the other like public benefits or whatever. You should have to wear one of those Suicide Squad neck collars, and the minute your bank account hits zero dollars, your head explodes. <laughs> you should have. What about that? Uh, was it the first Saw movie? That thing that connected into their jaw and just like ripped their head open. <laughs> yeah, that's. Oh, that's disgusting. As, as, yeah, as, soon like, as, you, as soon as you benefit from something that's publicly funded, it just goes off like you, you step onto a public road. It starts beeping. It's the libertarian dream. I'm not even standing on it. It's like beep, 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 beep. Uh, so the whole, so yeah, anyway, my whole point, you can, you can choose to no longer participate in the social security or Medicare program but it's an irrevocable decision so if they buy mm. that you truly don't believe in it irrevocable there's no take backsies uh and these are often when granted granted to like amish communities okay they are absolutely not so amish they are not paying into systems that they absolutely will not benefit from and uh, i think that that's fair. actually kind of cool yeah like to say we're going to live on our own and do it our own way. And if we will not take any, like, when we get old, we will not reap the benefits of social security. You can just be like, I don't want it. And it's, I, and I also love that it's an irrevocable decision. Like, I think that's such a, how many, and how many decisions in life are truly irrevocable? Do they give you control over something that big and say that like this, that first that. tattoo, don't do it kids. Don't <laughs> do it. Yeah. I really regret that. Like, I feel like we're on the cusp of like a, like uh, a wave of GoFundMe's for Amish people who need surgery. Well, you know, <laughs> like that's coming. Dude, they set cool, though, like they don't need those work. benefits. Like they have a community that provides those things to them, and when they get too old or too sick, they make them jump they off a big rock like in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, can I okay, can I shift the subject like one more time before we go? Okay. Yeah. We so don't have I, time limits on this. We do whatever the fuck we want. That is true. Okay. Well, good. So I watched a like a little Vice report thing about how more and more churches is, churches are starting businesses to give themselves like a secondary revenue stream. And actually, I think like that that's another one that the knee jerk reaction would be like, "Ew, gross! They're doing business." I kind of think it's great. Honestly, and like the the reasoning behind it from some of the people that they talked to was like, hey, church memberships dwindling, 
in a lot of places. Offerings are going down over time. Like if we want to keep serving the community or doing our good work or, you know, buying anti-abortion billboards, like we need money coming in and this is how we're going to do it. So they talked to a guy who had like started a church, you know, he bought a Kmart that had closed down and then, you know, segmented it off. And he's got like a number of different tenants in there. I think one was like a gym and there was a couple, like a restaurant, a couple of stores in there. And they're not like a part of the church where it's like, oh, we have a coffee shop in the lobby where you right. can fellowship. It's a, you know, he, the church has these separate businesses that they own that, you know, provide revenue streams. And honestly, like that to me, that I think is actually way better. It's way better for you to go out and compete in the market and bring in money like a normal organization than to just like ring your congregation out every Sunday. Yeah, I support that. I mean, especially like it's not like they're trying to. It would get weird if they were well, so they're leasing their leasing space or these are their actual businesses owned by the church. This particular one was leasing space, but they, okay. I mean, I think there's a bunch of different examples of, the, you know, they have like a, a, a private business that they own as well. Some churches do that, you know, whether it's so like, they, not, maybe they sorry. have like a paint, you know, they also own like a landscaping company. And so it's kind of a separate entity, but it's all going into the same, you know, umbrella corp or whatever. Right. And it operates I, as a normal business. And as long as they like when it comes to leasing space, they're functioning like a business and they're not going like, say you wanted to open a queers only gym or an all queers gym. <laughs> and they're like, look, it's it, maybe it's like a, a dating space or a, like a, a date night kind of thing. You want to maybe that's your business model. And they're like, like people of all walks of life. Luke Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> If they're going to be like, hey, 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 no, 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 we will not lease to you. It's like, well, now you're not a business anymore. You're back to being a church and you can go fuck yourself. I do feel pretty good about. So Sam wants direction. to set out the honey pot. He wants to be like, yeah. I want them all to open bakeries. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. that's, Only that's wedding really cakes. Now, I, can, I don't know that anyone's going to. Only open cakes does sound church. like a great yeah, name for a bakery. <laughs> I sure. would. That's out there already. Nothing bunt cakes is definitely out there. Oh God. <laughs> I, but that's the challenge. That's the call to action. If churches get into business, I'm encouraging every, everyone who's part of the LGBTQ plus community to go out and try to start your business in those spaces and just overrun them. <laughs> well, okay. So I was thinking about this as I was driving today and I came up with, I, I think 10 rules for running for a church running a daughter. good business okay, okay. oh my gosh and that's a lot of rules how long were you quick. driving how long were you driving i have 800 miles in this week and i've got another 250 tomorrow and then i'm driving to michigan on sunday yeah okay are, are you dictating these to your phone like how is how does this setup go he's texting sure. while driving sure. <laughs> <laughs> i've definitely <laughs> I've definitely been in the car with him where he almost hits an oncoming car because he's sorting through YouTube videos. That is not true. It wasn't even close. <laughs> you weren't looking. Yeah, that's why I'm like, oh shit, we grazed. No, I'm kidding. For the uh, sorry, don't arrest Casey, everybody. <laughs> don't place him under citizen's arrest. Okay. I felt very safe while driving with him. 
in his oversized truck on roads with no people on them that go completely straight for about 10 miles. Yeah. Wait, is yeah, Sam longer a, is, than 10 miles? Is Sam an average mid-sized truck hater? No. Probably. Okay. He's one of those dudes that would spit on SUVs in like 2006. Okay. He's one of those guys <laughs> that are like, nobody needs anything better than like a 94 I mean, Volvo. Somebody cued my, keyed my H2. We did make fun of you in college for your burnt orange fucking giant ass truck. Uh, midsize. Your regular midsize Nissan it Titan. Was it midsize? What yes, did you drive I in college? Midsize, a half ton. It's like a the, Nissan Titan. It, it's, it's midsize. Full size would be like a, a, a Super Duty or something, Sam. You're it's talking about. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, a Super Duty. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. See, I knew. I knew. He's oh, a yeah, big like, truck hater. He's a truck hater. Oh, like a little bigger than that one. Okay, I get it. <laughs> Oh, not uh, a Tacoma? Okay, I get it. You know what? I touched my truck nuts just for you when you came. So I didn't want to embarrass you. No, I'm not a truck. I'm I, like, but small truck. I would, I'm a small truck guy. I would, yeah, I could see I that. Think you got big truck. small truck energy. Yeah. <laughs> I would do, I would probably prefer me. If I was buying no. it, I would probably buy a small Well, for, if for what you do, what, what actual, I know we're way off topic. What does what he actual do? actual truck stuff. Uh, sales, he talks to people like other than the image of obviously, you know, a man in your profession needs to be driving an F-150. Uh, <laughs> you could do that profession just as well in a Impala, couldn't you? Like, are you actually hauling I heavy hauled an entire bed load of equipment? Oh, have you seen to, uh... Could you do it in a Ford Maverick? Not what have I you... did today. Okay. Have you seen Casey's dump truck? I mean, what... <laughs> I think so. He's gonna haul ass to haul ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> and knock some pickle jars off the off the shelf at the grocery store. So anyway, <laughs> the rules for a church trying a successful business. Okay. So yes. Okay. So I'll go through these quick. Uh, but my thought was like, if if a church was governed, if they governed themselves according to these rules, owning a business, I'm all for it. Totally support it. Think it's great. So first obvious, conduct yourselves honorably and ethically. That's kind of a uh, whatever, eggnog. Compensate your employees well, right? You should pay good if you're market rates. Unless they're volunteer employee, then it's fine because they're volunteering and they want to do it for the Lord. Right, right. Yeah. You don't have to pay people to set up chairs every Sunday for six hours a Sunday. Yeah, if you're going to run a business and you're going to have employees, like you need to pay normal market rates. It should be a good thing to get a job for you, you know, with you. Uh, Employee quality of life should be a priority. So you can't have people working 75 hour weeks and stuff like that. Like it shouldn't be a, a fiasco for them to take a sick day or, you know, do something with their family for a day. It feels like, like Casey has never worked in ministry anywhere. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's that's the whole thing. That like, and burnout. They bring that energy to owning a business. Like it's going to suck for everybody. Uh, don't crush your competitors. Like you're a business. You're doing business in the community. Like operate like a normal business, but like. You also have the resources of a big community group behind you. Like you should not come in and just undercut every other local business in the community. Which I I don't have the exact numbers on it. uh, And I'm sure we could Google it pretty quickly, but I'm fairly certain that somewhere close to 90% of church growth 
is just people coming to your new church from another church. Yeah. I would. Yeah, that sounds right. Considering that the church overall has been declining for a very long time. Yeah, that's got to be the way it works. Is any new like massively successful church is really just hoovering up a bunch of churches that don't have cool stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Which is so Casey, I mean, by your logic and by your ethics, your code of ethics, no new churches can start ever because that's all so you don't that, care that if mean... they crush other churches. <laughs> Just don't crush other like landscaping companies. So, so does that mean that like they uh, they shouldn't from the pulpit like advertise their business? You know, they shouldn't be like there's only one of the holiest coffee shops in town. Uh, and are we well, getting that's that? rule number ten: you shouldn't market or monetize your faith. So don't have a Jesus fish on your sign. Don't like market yourself as a face-based company. Don't tell your congregation that they really ought to do business with your thing because it's you and blah, 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 blah. Like just be a business out in the market doing normal business stuff, please and thank you. Well, what about Christian businesses that already exist? Like definitely near me is like Christian. I think it's Christian landscaping. I think there's a Christian landscaping company and I drive by their trucks on my way home from work sometimes when I'm on the highway and it's... Every time I'm like, oh my God, I would no, never hire you. I'll I'll disagree with that a little bit. I see plenty of those cringy ones too, but I think to some people it is an important part of their identity and it goes beyond just like kind of virtue signaling to other Christians because plenty of people do that. But I think to some people, to them, it's they're making a promise that I'm going to treat you, you know, like I believe so strongly in the quality of my business and the quality of our customer service that I'm willing to bank my faith on it as like, I'm a representative of the Christian faith and I'm going to do a good job. I can yeah. respect that to a degree. A lot of them are just virtue signaling. I, all I I'm saying is like, I don't like yeah. honest Abe's no frills payday loans. That's what it comes across. <laughs> to me. I definitely see it as them trying to, you, I, I don't, a lot of I, them are for sure. I'm I not don't trying think to I, them. I, I agree with you to an extent, Jeremiah, where I think that that's, I think that is the mindset they're coming from. I just think that they truly don't understand how bad of a marketing plan that it, like people aren't like, oh yeah, oh, those are the good ones. Okay. I'll trust them. Like, it looks like you're using your faith to find a way to get into people's homes so you can give them quotes. It just isn't, I can't imagine most people thinking that that means you're going to like, it's, you're a nice guy be a nice guy. I, I don't think that most you're, people you're would a nice see guy. I've been, I've been cussed out by a few people, one in particular, whose public image is very much like marketed as Christian. And I'm, I'm over him to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> I want to, um, we have a, I, I think I still see this business around where I work. And that they did change the name. I posted, I posted on my personal Instagram in 2018 of November 2018, and there was a landscaping company doing landscaping work near my business, where I work. I say I clarified where I work because it's not my business. I just want to make that clear that I don't own my own business. Everybody knows that. Anyway, it's called. Ugh, guess you can't. I'm going to tell you, Lynch Tree Landscaping. Oh, cool. It has like a, it has like a fun historical context. Yeah. I have some questions. Yeah. Well, uh, I believe that 
the last name of the person who started it was Lynch. And you can legally change your name. I'm just saying this. Yeah, for you should. Like, that's, that's their justification. It's like, well, that's their name. It's like, it doesn't have to be. <laughs> but your inability to realize that calling your business Lynch Tree Landscaping is really, really Yeah, you, you didn't have to say tree. It could have just been like the Lynch Brothers or like what? You know, <laughs> All John- around bad. Or like John Lynch or something like you could, you could make it clear that like, this is my name. You can think the name's weird, but it's a name, not like swinging from a tree landscape. And you're like, oh, I wonder yeah. what that's about. <laughs> they should have focus grouped that one a little bit. Exactly. Now, I have seen the same logo around. Uh, and I, I know for a fact that they changed their name. And I'm guessing it's because of people like me who just kept taking pictures of their trailers and posting them on the internet. But <laughs> anyway. Anyway, Casey, what's rule number four or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's rule 34? You should re- reinvest into the community outside of your church. So, you know, okay. help raise money for other organizations, donate or do special work for comfort, you know, for things that are not directly related to your church, you know, be invested in something other than just like putting money back in your own coffers rather than just saying like, but, but that is the investment because the great commission, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like it's gotta be something that's not at all tied to the church in any like direct way. Yeah. Just be a part of the community, you know, build, build a wheelchair ramp for a school. Right. Right. But do it to code guys. <laughs> don't I mean, have the preferably. youth group do that. Yeah. Don't have the it, youth group do that. I think you need camp. like three feet build of like ramp. A half pipe. Of, inch drop or something like that you gotta be careful with that (laughs) uh fair competitive pricing which we kind of already touched on uh treat the community the same as your congregation so not as outsiders that get different pricing and stuff like that than the people in your congregation or anything like that um here's a probably should have been number one but separation of powers is an absolute must. I think that's mm. part of the reason why you have so much trouble with some of these churches and stuff is that they grow and grow and grow. And there's still this like pastor acting as a CEO over all of these different entities. And that like, I don't know, like a conflagration of power is just not good. In these CEOs acting like they're CEOs, right? Wow. Yes. But- that's a Lizzo quote for uh, all y'all Lizzo lovers out there. <laughs> uh, be transparent and welcome accountability, which. <laughs> oh, that's not going to happen. I know. I stuff. <laughs> this but is, that, this yeah. is like you're Casey writing his like manifesto yeah. of honorable business here. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to do those things, but they should. <laughs> right. Casey's like, that's a standard that if you claim to be a Christian, you should hold yourself to. Fortunately, I'm free of such scruples. <laughs> <laughs> that's the great thing about being adrift in the void. <laughs> <laughs> there is no bottom. <laughs> well, what? So are all of our overall opinions are just fucking deal with it the way it is? Yeah, I think it's it's everyone agrees or basically everyone agrees that the behavior they're engaged in is wrong, but there's no way to effectively control that without hurting a bunch of people who didn't do anything wrong. And it still would be close to impossible to actually enforce in any meaningful way. 
It's and part the cost of the cost. Far outweighs. The, it's yeah. one of the cost of freedom things, and for, and it's actually nice to talk about the cost of freedom that doesn't involve like dead school kids for once. Uh, Jesus but, Christ! Yeah, yeah, but like it's one <laughs> of those costs of freedom of like you're gonna just have to deal with these disgusting people. Like chalk them up to they're just more celebrities. Like if that helps you sleep any better at night, are they bilking people out of money? Sure, just like a bunch of music artists and other people are like, getting what they pay for. They right. want. They're that. a bunch of Chet Hanks, you know. Like it, it, like like many of you, I watched the John Oliver thing in like 2015, where he registers a church and how ridiculous it was, and now I laughed at it and all that stuff. Like, it's really easy to dunk on it. It's very hard to fix it without undoing a lot of the things that we all take for granted or don't fully understand when it comes to actually protecting freedoms. But this is what protecting freedoms looks like. We don't like it, and we think it should stick around because the alternative's worse for everybody. Yeah. I believe I agree with all of what you just said. <laughs> what I will say, I agree with all of that. I think we have to save the Johnson Amendment, though. Okay, can you, so once to, to end it, can you recap You're just obsessed really quick? with Johnsons. It's weird. Re, can you recap exactly the difference between, like, just you're a church, you can't do political stuff. What exactly does the Johnson Amendment say? The Johnson Amendment, like, I mean historically prevented pastors and organizations and, and not just churches, but like all 501 C three nonprofits from directly endorsing political candidates and things like that. Right. Which like we said, hard to enforce cats probably out of bat out of the bag on that one, but But includes financial. Oh, you're getting there. Sorry. Yes. It also prohibits financial contributions to political campaigns and stuff. Yep. Churches do not have to, you know, provide public record and file their their financial records and things like a business does. So if the Johnson Amendment goes away, these organizations, you know, seedy people will be able to just funnel money through churches directly into political campaigns with no records, no public disclosure, nothing. It's nothing but bad for them to get rid of the Johnson Amendment. And for anybody who like is mad that their church can't speak up about political things or something because you think it's like an affront to your faith, just think about that. That's the alternative. It's not that you want something that's so evil and horrible. It's that there are people way more evil and horrible than you who will use you as their conduit to do much worse things. It's yeah. just reality. It's It'll be a, a, a political money laundering scheme at that point. And you know, the reality is, is like nobody's losing their tax exemption over, you know, saying, I command you to vote for Trump congregation. So do whatever you want there. It's gross. You shouldn't, but nobody's coming after you. So whatever, it might as well not exist, but the financial component of it has got to stay in place. Yeah. And also at some point, we don't want this to go away because we do have a dream of incorporating growing up Christian as a church at some point. (laughs) So Casey wants to be a pastor. I really want to be a pastor. And that's kind of the easiest, fastest way into this. So I'll be a pastor. We call ourselves the Trinity. Hey, you're the assistant pastor. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> I just wanted to make the Trinity joke. Uh, no, I want to be the sound guy. That I, I like that. <laughs> He's the AV guy that we don't pay. <laughs> 
hey, I got paid by the church I work for, okay? Hey, uh, I, was, I need I, you to set up these chairs and I need you to hold this dartboard while I practice. I, I was paid I was paid to be the graphic I was paid twenty eight thousand a year to be the graphic designer, IT guy, video production guy, and I ran all the volunteer teams for all the sound and video teams. So Definitely a full-time paid professional. Just a, just a leech on the on the good institution, you know? <laughs> Every single one of them was like an add-on after you just were hired to be the AV. Oh, 100%. The first nonprofit <laughs> I worked for, which was not a church, I became the IT guy just because I was like, huh, I bet I could help with this. And they were like, guess what? And you learned I was, quickly you need I to was stop the print this. designer. I had nothing to do with IT. I was the print designer and I'm like Googling how to like debug a Microsoft Exchange email server, like scared out of my mind. <laughs> uh, I hope nobody goes to hell because I don't know how to do this email thing. <laughs> I mean, after the after all the pastors got those gnarly porn viruses, they needed a discreet man as like yourself to figure out. <laughs> clear them all out <laughs> no there actually is a thing for that uh you signed the like, nda the ashley madison leak happened do you remember ashley madison oh yeah. yeah i know people who their job was to comb through the leaked list and look for like do we have problems in here no way and, and they, they personally didn't care it was just like that was the happened to be the thing they were tasked to do is like well the information's out there we and it's that's normal oppo research stuff of like we yeah. gotta know what are people doing? Like so, <laughs> the the holy Michael Cohen. <laughs> uh, what a guy. Have you heard his podcast? No. no. He has a podcast where he just dumps. I only listened to like two episodes like a year ago. So don't quote me. But he just dumps on Trump the whole time and basically is trying to whitewash his image of like, yeah, I did bad things. Of course I did bad things. I'm here now. It's called mea culpa. That's literally the name of the podcast, <laughs> but he's rebranded himself as like, but I'm here to pay for all those sins now by <laughs> making money. Anyway, our sponsor today is <laughs> fresh books. <laughs> I'm here to rectify what I did and I'm brought to you by green chef. <laughs> brought to you by Blackwater coffee. What a hateable person. I, I hate him. He there can, are worse podcasters. There are many worse podcasters for sure. There are many worse lawyers. Are there worse podcast lawyers? I don't know. <laughs> He's got to be close to the top. <laughs> well, I uh, think we successfully solved yet another giant problem within Christianity. But if you want to come debate us in the discord, you should. Uh, about this yes. specific issue, this specific issue. If you think you have a compelling argument, because we only covered a few of them. It's not like we talked about all the different permutations of this. If you think you have a compelling argument, we haven't thought of, of why churches should be taxed or even shouldn't, or you think you figured out the logistics of how to make it work, mm. like, pitch us. You know, yeah. like OMG, we so emo is coming after you guys. And while you're there, look at pictures of our pets that we all post. <laughs> yeah. Because I just got a motherfucking... Bearded dragon. So you guys can see that. He's a little Wait, baby are guy. Are pictures of oh, there in there? I haven't yeah. looked. Yeah. Wait, did I not yeah, post you're like You're like Cookie Monster pajama pants away from being peoples of Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, the last picture you posted in there, Sam, was just you with your, your dog being a puppy. Oh, look at him. He's so cute. Yeah, that's a good one. He's I just scoop up my dog, dog and I'm holding. Oh, no. I see, your, I see your bearded dragon picture. Yeah, there it mind. is. It was a while ago. Okay. 
When are you getting a bird? No fucking not that would be like complete audio white trash podcast. transformation. Yeah. Birds like, are true. Unless it's a Missouri mailing address I will, to get a bird. Someone can help me figure out my way into falconry. I'll get a falcon. That doesn't even count. That doesn't count as being a bird person. My family, <laughs> bad my family used to have racing badass. pigeons. Racing pigeons are cool. The, They're very, the screech. Like Mike Tyson? <laughs> Uh, yeah, just like Mike Tyson. Um, my dad uh, was a veterinarian and someone brought in an osprey once. And so this is the only time I've ever gotten to see an osprey from like two feet away because it was in a cage. That thing is like a little flying velociraptor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so claws cool. for this big. And you could tell it's just looking at you like if this cage wasn't here, like I could kill you. And that, just on its face, it just has that raptor confidence of like, oh, yeah, you'll run. They all run. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the sound. The sound that bird, that screech that like birds of prey make, like the big ones, like I think it's a falcon that does that. But uh, we have, um, we have one that just like circles my area. It's just like looking for oh, rabbits. That's a little creepy. Shit. He's and just warning just, you. <laughs> it makes that scream. Well, it makes me nervous when my cat gets out sometimes because I'm like, that guy will fuck up my cat pretty quick. Did you guys but, know that bald eagle, when you hear a bald eagle screech, it's not actually a bald eagle? Uh, they use a different bird screech in movies because like bald eagles don't sound that cool. Really? I've oh, probably yeah. sounds like one that I that, like. They have that sort of noise to them. Yeah, I'm looking up what um what is it? We need a drop. The red-tailed hawk. The eagle drop. The red-tailed the I, red-tailed hawk is the actual bald eagle noise. I think that's okay. A hawk. I don't like. I thought it was a falcon. I don't know why I said falcon. Why, uh, why, but, are, you, no, falcon why are you apologizing? But, like, oh, no. it's not a falcon. You're an idiot, Sam. You're an no, idiot. No. It's a hawk. But no, that's what's that's what's flying around my like neighborhood as a hawk, and they okay. make a gnarly screech sound, and that's definitely what's used in movies, and it's cool. It's a badass sound. It, when you falcons think of them as little subcompact hawks, <laughs> they tuck up. I like seeing the pictures of falcons when they like tuck into the dive position. Like they just oh. seem cool. I feel like there's a good animated movie that could really work with that concept of like the they, little striker falcons. I cannot remember which nature series it's on it might have been one of the planet earths or something like that but they're in england and they have the most spectacular footage of this i want to say it's a falcon it might be a hawk a goshawk i think is what it's called but this thing is flying through the woods and literally like tucking its wings and stalling midair to like drop between tree branches and things like that I, you could definitely look it up on YouTube, but you should check it out. It's like a like a speeder bike in Star Wars, and this thing is just cruising through the densest woodland area at like fifty miles an hour. It's it's amazing. In ten years, we're all gonna have birds of prey and like meet up with those giant arm length <laughs> leather, leather gloves. Come on with like rabbits and make rabbit stew. <laughs> yeah that's where joel went wrong he shouldn't have bought a football stadium he should have bought an eagle get into falconry Thanks like all the cool guys <laughs> i'm gonna buy three eagles and then teach them to carry me <laughs> so yeah join the discord yep. uh, you can find the link on our instagram profile and you i think i actually just have it say the link it kept resetting i think i just posted to uh message us if uh you want to join the discord i should probably just re-add the link hopefully it works right i don't know it kept resetting it's supposed to like you can set a discord link to be permanent or reset after every like 24 hours or something like that 
And even though it was set to permanent, I kept getting messages from people saying it was resetting. So I'm also really bad at things. So it could just be that I fuck something up with Discord. Either way, message us for now. Eventually, that link maybe might appear back in our bio. Yep. And if you like the show, leave us a review wherever you listen to it. Hopefully a good review. But uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts, any of those would be great. Thanks to everybody who already has. And that being said, we will see you next time. Bye.